0: just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. A clap of thunder startled me awake in the middle of the night. I sleepily opened my eyes and tried to focus on the storm outside. Was it raining? Mindy? Should I worry about a tree being uprooted? Just then, a brilliant flash of lightning illuminated the room for a moment. I reached over to the other side of the bed to see if Dennis was awake or asleep, but the bed was empty. He was probably just in the other room. He's a light sleeper, and I'm sure the storm woke him first, and instead of waking me by turning his phone on, he probably went to the guest room to wait for the thunder and lightning to blow over. Laying there all alone as the storm crackled outside, I suddenly had an odd thought pop into my head. What if I was actually dead right now? What if instead of waking up in the middle of the night, I had actually just died in my sleep and didn't know it? Strangely, the thought didn't scare me. At that moment, I was perfectly fine with whatever the outcome was. Alive, dead, it all felt the same to me. I continued along this line of thought for a few minutes without any fear creeping in just the curiosity of how I might actually discover that I was no longer in possession of my earthly body. At some point, I questioned where this thought even came from. It's not like this was a topic that had been on my mind. Why was I thinking about this? And then a few minutes later, I fell right back to sleep. I woke up as the sun was rising just a few hours later. The storm had passed, Dennis was snoring beside me, and As far as I could tell, I was most certainly still alive, if not a slight bit perplexed by my middle-of-the-night musings, although maybe I shouldn't have been, because while the topic of my eventual death wasn't something that had been on my mind, I'd been having some especially weird experiences in both my waking and dream time, and there was a good reason for that. In the prior few months, I'd been working with the Amanita muscaria mushroom. You know, the one with the red cap and the white spots. It's the fairy tale mushroom from Alice in Wonderland, or some people call it the Mario Brothers mushroom. And although it's not a psychedelic mushroom, it can have psychoactive effects. The more I work with it, the more I'm learning about its wide-ranging talents, blending time and space, and its deep dream work abilities. And before bed that dark and stormy night, I had smoked some Amanita, so... I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that things got a little weird. But I don't want to get off track here. This season is not going to be about mind altering substances or the ability of our consciousness to continue on after the death of our physical body. Or is it? To be honest, I don't even know. I've approached my entheogenic experiences of the past few years as more of a personal journey. I mean, I've shared about it publicly on many occasions and even hosted an Amanita Muscaria ceremony here in Montana over the summer, and also just wrapped up a month-long online experience for people who wanted to get to know it and work with this magical being. But as I began working on this season of the podcast, where I'll be asking the question, what happens when an entire society of people lose their connection to the only land they've ever known? That question, and mind-altering substances, couldn't have been further apart in my mind. One thing definitely had nothing to do with the other. Until suddenly, they did. But still, I'm not here to talk to you about magical mushrooms this season, even though they're going to figure into the discussion in the strangest way. What I really want to explore this season is our ancestral ties to the earth. I want to go back, way back into our collective memories with the land and in some cases, not that far back at all. Who were these ancestors of ours who left their homeland, the only places their families had known for hundreds or thousands of years, and climbed aboard boats to sail for North America? What made them leave the places they were indigenous to in order to colonize a land indigenous to someone else? You might think you already know the answer, because I know I did. But Those answers, the ones that we can recite by heart, religious persecution, the Irish potato famine, the thrill of striking it rich, and the promise of free land to anyone who could farm it, are really easy answers to a far more complicated question, the one that I already mentioned, what happens when an entire society of people lose their connection to the only land they've ever known? This question started eating away at me while on a month-long trip to Utah earlier this year. Utah is one of my more recent ancestral homelands, a place we were not native to, but is now deeply ingrained in my DNA. Only three generations back, my great-grandmother, Alta, who I knew in my lifetime and remember from my childhood, was born in southern Idaho in 1910. They were early-ish settlers in the Latter-day Saint outpost of Coltman, a fertile farming valley along the Snake River. Her parents were born in Utah to Swedish immigrants, Nils and Maria. They were the ones that booked that ship passage over the Atlantic to their promise of paradise. Everlasting life and land of their own awaited them in Utah, or what their religion called Zion. Along with thousands of other faithful saints who believed they would spend eternity together after Jesus' return to Earth, which, according to the prophets of the church, was imminent at that moment in time. So to say that I feel incredibly heightened energetic activity when I visit Utah, or rather, Zion, would be an understatement. My dreams are active and synchronicities are constant. Every time I see the Wasatch Mountain range, I feel like I'm home. Although I have no conscious memory of these mountains from this lifetime. So I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that the seed of this idea for this season was planted while I was on that land. Walking trail after trail through the dusty red rock canyons this spring, the messages were flowing so fast I eventually had to sit down on a rock and type them into the notes on my phone before I forgot. And they all had to do with our broken ancestral ties to the land. Broken when Nils and Maria left Sweden broken again when the next generation moved to Idaho, most likely at the church's urging, and again when the following generation, my great-grandmothers, moved to California. There was nowhere further west to go after that, I suppose, and no farmland more fertile than the Sacramento Valley to cultivate. By the time I was born, I was considered a fourth-generation Californian. As far as I knew, that's where we had deep ties to the earth. I have no recollection of hearing any stories about Idaho or Utah, and certainly not the Swedish homeland growing up. No recipes, no foraging skills, no folklore. Those memories were long since buried in the earth, along with the ancestors who'd lived them. Until those ancestors, the ones who traveled from Europe to make this desert in the American West their home, came to me in spirit and asked for my help in the summer of 2019. They asked me to learn about them and about their chosen religion that I had no ties to except through them. And as the church had promised, the oaths they swore in the temple followed them into death. It just wasn't quite like they'd imagined. 150 years had passed and they were still awaiting Jesus's return. Nothing had really changed upon their deaths other than the lack of their human body. Just like I'd experienced in my bed on that dark and stormy night they were starting to think that maybe these oaths they took in their lifetime weren't quite serving them in their death. So they did what made sense to them. They found a family member to help them. The Mormon church places a huge importance on genealogy and family members doing work in the temple on behalf of their deceased ancestors. So I was a prime candidate to help release them from these oaths. I did as they requested and assumed that was the end of it, but I was wrong. Very, very wrong. It was only the beginning of a three-year-long journey that I believe will come to a close as I share their story here with you. I've been on a twisty, turny adventure down the proverbial rabbit hole trying to understand my own broken lineage and what that had to do with the land itself. What stories are lost when its characters are no longer known by the next generation? When the plants, animals, rocks, and rivers of Thousands of years of collective history are left behind for unknown lands. Never mind the gnomes and fairies and other spirits of the place. What new stories are created to replace the old ones? And what did these stories tell us about the new place? At what point does our genealogy merge and blend with the geology of the place we call home? Those are just some of the questions I hope to explore with you on this season of the podcast. I helped to tell the story through just one branch of my own family tree. And while these stories belong to me, I think you'll find that they may not be all that different from your own. Because while the locations and religions and circumstances may be different, when we go back far enough, we all have a shared history with the land. The earth and the stars and the trees and the fungi are our ancestors. There are mothers, fathers, siblings, and children, and they are waiting for us to remember. So I hope this season sparks a remembering for you somewhere deep in your own DNA. And I'll be seeing you soon for the first episode.